0: Scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be focusing on verses 13 through 35, uh, one of my favorite post-resurrection accounts in the Gospels. It can be found on page 885 in the uh, Bibles that are provided for you there in the rows. If you do not have your own copy of the Scriptures with you this morning and would like to follow along. Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went on to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that, at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray. Lord, speak to us through your word. And through the work of your Spirit in our lives, help us to hear well this truth and to apply it, Lord, in a way that brings you glory and causes us to draw nearer to you in faith, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. He is risen. He is risen risen indeed. Yes, he is. If you've been with us since the early service, I, I trust that like myself, that more than just your bellies are full but that your hearts are full as well today from the excellent devotional that Wes gave during the early service to the songs that we've sung to the celebration of our union with Christ and with one another through the Lord's Supper our hearts should be full because of who we are in Christ. Today, or at least for this service, all of our scripture readings come from Luke 24. We, we opened the call to worship this morning, Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and, and actually for our benediction, we're going to close with Luke 24. It's a, it's a Luke 24 kind of day. <laughs> In the call to worship, we we visited the empty tomb with the women who had come to care for the body of Jesus. And and we we experienced their their fear and then amazement at the news that he had risen. In our passage this morning, verses 13 to 35, we we find two disciples who encounter Jesus as they are traveling to Emmaus. Later in in verses 36 through 48, Jesus appears to, to the rest of the disciples causing fear, and then joy. He is risen, and and while some people call today Easter, I I think Resurrection Sunday is a much more appropriate term. Because in the resurrection of Jesus, we have the assurance that our faith in Him is not in vain. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 tells us that that Jesus was delivered up to death for our transgressions, our legal guilt before God. And he was raised for our justification. Justification for the Christian is a beautiful word. It it, it means to be declared righteous by God. The resurrection is the proof that God was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. There is no greater news that I could give you this morning, Christian, than that you have been justified In the sight of God. Jesus bore the punishment that you deserve when he died on the cross bearing God's wrath for our sins. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been restored to God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the greatest news that could ever be given. But our problem is that, is that rather than looking at the resurrection when it comes to our faith and what that says to us about what Christ has done, our focus tends to be more inward as Christians. And, and we think about our salvation primarily in terms about, of, of, of our level of faith. And not even that, more so how we feel about that faith, our emotions. So our joy tends to to ebb and flow along the lines of how we feel about God or how we feel about our Christian life rather than based on the assurance of what Christ has done for us. And and I say this not not to condemn but to remind us that in Christ and, and specifically in the resurrection there is a better way for us to view our salvation I uh, was speaking to our family last night as we were reflecting on the resurrection of Christ and the things that, that, that took place before the resurrection and I reminded them as I, as I remind you often on this day this holiday that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ is not something that the gospel writers just tacked on at the end so that there would be a happy ending the resurrection is as vital to our salvation as the crucifixion. And in that resurrection, we found security. We need to remember this, because brothers and sisters, there, there are times when we... Operate in in what we would feel would be a great amount of faith. We're facing trials and we're trusting Jesus and and we're clinging to Him. And and then there are other times when when the pressures of this life would threaten to overwhelm us and we begin to, to wrestle with doubt. This is a part of every Christian's experience and we need something to hang our faith on greater than simply our ability to have faith. Does that make sense? We're tested in that way and our our faith needs to hang on something secure. And so it has to be in Christ. Amen. Let's go home. Right? The the Savior who died the death of a criminal, even though he did nothing wrong, has been raised in glory. Not only that, he reigns in glory. And not only that, He will return in glory. And this is the Savior that we have gathered to celebrate this day. This morning as we tackle this passage, we're, we're going to see two disciples travel from not just Jerusalem to Emmaus, but from despair to joy as their eyes are open to what Christ has done. So let's begin by looking at verses 13 through 24 at two depressed disciples. Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And while they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he, Jesus, said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. So here we find Cleopas and, and an unnamed disciple heading to the, the town of Emmaus following the crucifixion, death, and burial of Jesus. Now, the, the reason for their going to Emmaus is not specifically given in, in this passage, but it's likely that they were just going home. Think about it we, we, we talk a lot about Resurrection Sunday because for us we we, we have the whole story but for the disciples think about the grief and and the despair that they must have felt it's clear they did not understand all that that Christ was was to accomplish even though Jesus had laid it out what would take place They, they simply didn't understand they didn't believe but they had just seen their leader, their teacher, put to death. If you've ever lost someone near to you, you know that grief is, is powerful. And sometimes the, 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 the day after the loss of a loved one is, 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 is even harder and, and, and is a succession of harder and harder days as you come to terms with the loss. I imagine at the crucifixion, the disciples were shocked, devastated. But imagine Saturday as it all began to sink in. So it's likely that Cleopas and this other disciple have said, You know what? Boy, we were wrong about this one. Let's just go home. Whatever the reason we we know they're on their way to Emmaus, and, and archaeologists are unsure the exact location. But tradition holds that, that the city that was once known as Emmaus is now Kubeabeth, which is nice to say, which is seven miles northwest of Jerusalem, which is in line with what the scripture teaches us. Verse 14 tells us that they were discussing all that had taken place in Jerusalem in relation to Jesus and what the women had discovered earlier that morning, an empty tomb. And in the midst of this discussion, Jesus joins them on the road. And although his identity was hidden from them, we know that's not the first time that he did this. As you read other accounts, we know he did this with Mary also outside the tomb. Now, these disciples are clearly distressed, even depressed over all that has taken place. And Jesus asks an interesting question. Well, what is it you guys are talking about so intently? Now, we know that he knew what was going on, going on. I mean, Jesus lived it, right? Why would Jesus ask such an obvious question to the disciples? Well, Jesus didn't do anything by accident. He was setting them up. He he wanted to to, to be able to contrast what they understood at this point with what they were about to learn about him. And so this is an important moment. The the disciples we see are clearly in pain. Verse 17 tells us that they looked sad. And and that sounds pretty pretty much like an understatement in English, doesn't it? They were sad. But the Greek word that we translate sad in English literally means gloomy. It's a description of someone's countenance when they're grieving. It's a very picturesque word. And it has this idea of almost the clouds rolling in figuratively in our countenance. Does that make sense? Their pain was evident not just in what they were talking about but how they looked But even encountering them in their pain, Jesus does not alleviate it right away. In fact, sad might not be a strong enough word to.